Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. This young lady that we're going to put up on the screens here is Mona Anita Olson. Mona Anita Olson has a a really interesting story I came across the other day. When she was a small child, her family moved a lot, like almost every year. And when she was in second grade, her family actually moved to Japan. And so she's in school with all of these Japanese school children who, who speak English as well, but when they wanted to do something with their friends, they would kind of retreat into speaking Japanese. And so she began to feel kind of isolated, even though she was around people, and it really made her kind of depressed and and despondent. And her mother noticed this, because that's what mothers do. And so she started putting these little notes in Mona Anita's lunchbox that said, make a difference just trying to give her something else to focus on, a way to kind of get through this. And sometimes she would abbreviate it to MAD for make a difference, and she'd say, have a mad day. And Moda Anita kind of, it, it helped her a lot, and so she never forgotten that, that phrase kind of, she carried it with her throughout life. And so as she went to college and uh, actually became a Rhodes Scholar, studied overseas, did a lot of, of great research work, Um, Her friends and her colleagues knew that this phrase meant very much to her. And so one day one of her colleagues brought her a little, she had a little framed plaque made that said, you know, how can you make a difference? And uh, Moda Anita put it up in her office and, and it gave her an idea. It gave her an idea to begin an organization, a nonprofit that works with college students and graduate students to mentor them. They take them and they, they say, What in your life do you think you're gifted and called to do, in a sense, to make a difference? And then they help them to find apprenticeships based on that. And they watch people's careers just just absolutely take off. And I'm reading this story and I'm thinking, you know, that's very similar to what we here at Seacoast Vineyard at least desire to do. And I think, you know, sometimes we actually get that right and we do it, is we introduce people to Jesus Christ. And, and we show them that how he wants to point out in your life how you can make a difference, how you can go into the world and, and either make a difference individually <clears throat> or um, as part of an organization or how you can be part of this church making a difference in the community. And so it's, it's very similar to me. And I, and I think about in the Old Testament, God essentially took a group of people, the Israelites, And he said, look, I'm going to use you to make a difference in the world. I'm going to do a whole new thing in the world, and I'm going to use you. And you're going to show the rest of the world how you can make a difference. And so he starts in the Old Testament with this journey, right? We call it the Exodus. And as the Israelites start out across the desert, I think we have a map of of how long this took. I want us to really get some idea. If you can see up there in the top left, where it's uh, Egypt and, and, and where they begin and they go down all the way to the bottom of the Sinai Peninsula and up and then down again and then over. 
But where we're going to pick up the story this morning is way over on that right-hand side. And so they've been walking for a considerable amount of time. We're talking years. And it's already cost them one generation. And uh, the Israelites are, are not exactly, how shall we say, good travelers. Has anybody, have you read the book? <clears throat> yeah, they just have a habit of groaning and mumbling and complaining the whole time. Thank you, Doug. Um, They're not really good travelers. They just groan and mumble and complain. And time after time, God says, geez, can you guys just lighten up a little? And, and he does different things with them. But in the, what we're going to look at, he does something really incredible. And the Israelites have a, a, an incredible response to what God does. And so we're going to be in the book of Numbers. We're going to be in chapter 21. And we're just going to look at... Uh, <clears throat> Three verses, uh, 16 to 18 this morning. So if you want to flip there, tap there, however you want to get in there, uh, that's where we're going to take a look. Verse 16 starts like this. From there they continued on to Beer, the well where the Lord said to Moses, Gather the people together and I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song. Spring up, O well, sing about it, about the well that the princes dug that the nobles of the people sank, the nobles with scepters and staves. Lord, this morning we ask that you come and uh, show us how you want to make a difference in our lives. Holy Spirit, um, make a difference in us this morning. Change us, teach us, mold us. Uh, give us thoughts and, and words to understand, Lord, what you really mean to us in, in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name that we ask this. Amen. So let's start with that, that very first part of the scripture there. From there they continued on to beer. Not to have a beer. On to beer. The well where the Lord said to Moses, Gather the people together and I will give them water. See, a funny thing happened on the way to the promised land. Um, this, this life in the desert kind of impacts the, the Hebrew people. And uh, they've just, if you, if you know what happened in, in the story right before this, they just went through a bit of a thing with a bunch of snakes. Um, if you remember in the story, they were beset upon by uh, adders and vipers. And Moses ends up doing this really cool thing that pre-shadows Christ and he raises a bronze serpent. And it's really neat. But they, they're having a, a, a difficult time. And it seems every time they get somewhere, they, they just can't help but have trouble. So if you had a fill-in this morning, your first one would be this. And that is, God asks us to commit to the promise. Commit to the promise. See, what the Hebrews have had is they've always had, since they left Egypt, they've always had the promise that God is taking them somewhere. God is doing something with them. It's called the promised land for a reason. God has made them a promise to get them there. And all of this grumbling, all of this complaining is because they forget about that promise. And you know, God makes us promises as well, not just in this book. You know, he makes tons of promises to his people in, in scripture. But I believe he makes us promises promises individually if you speak with him in prayer he talks to you and he says i'm going to do this with your life if you've ever experienced anything like that i believe he makes us promises corporately 
I believe he's made a huge promise to Seacoast Vineyard Church that he is going to use us to reach unchurched people and introduce them to Jesus Christ. And he's been doing that. God has been doing that for 19 years. It is an incredible thing that he does here. How many, how many of you went to the tailgate party last week? Anybody? Some of you? Do you know that was our most uh, first-time guest attended Sunday all year? Go figure. God does crazy things like that with us. And it's a way of him fulfilling his promises to us. And if we can just focus on that promise, it helps us navigate the waters. It gives us a vision. It gives us a direction to go in. And I would say each of you, God has made promises to you this morning. And and navigating that and getting behind it and seeing that promise can be as simple as, as committing to, to attend here at Seacoast Vineyard Church or if you're visiting whatever church you attend at home. And for some of you, it's committing to that promise that God made about your life, that through Jesus Christ, you can again have relationship with him. For some of you, that's committing to the promise this morning. So when the Israelites committed, God does something really amazing. God does this cool thing with their attitude. Look at verse 17. Then Israel sang this song. Spring up, O well, sing about it. Sing about it. See, this isn't just some kind of whistle while you work little mantra that, that they're, they're coming out with. Like, you know, life in the desert sucks, but I'm going to smile anyway. It's not what's going on here. There's been an incredible change of heart. Um, Their habit has been to grumble and complain. And when they get to this point where this scripture comes up, they were walking alongside a river, the Arnon River, and they decided because, because Israel, hey, there's too much water here. This is too much like fun. Let's walk further into the desert. Because there's no water there, that'll be a great idea. And we handle that really well, right? No. So God sees this and he knows what's about to happen. He says, I, I, I got you guys pegged. I got you guys pegged. So this time, I'm going to have water waiting for you. And so after Moses tells the people that Israel just has this incredible attitude change. And so your second fill-in, if you had them, is this. Commit to be pleasant. Commit to be pleasant. Imagine if you're in the desert. You haven't had water in a couple of days. You're dry. You're parched. You've got to walk. You're probably staring at the wrong end of a donkey who's carrying things, kicking dust up, and who knows what else. And your response is to start to sing. Is to start to sing. It's not easy. There's times when a little bit of water would be very, very welcome. And this song is actually a response by handmaidens. Israel's known this song for a while, and it's a song that handmaidens would sing as they went to go carry water from whatever well back to the camp. Anybody ever carried water? Enough water to really use, like a five or, or ten gallon bucket. It's heavy. This stuff weighs eight pounds a gallon. 
And so a good five-gallon bucket is 40 pounds. He put 40 pounds on either shoulder as these uh, Hebrew servant girls would, and that's, that's a considerable load. So they learn to sing to kind of make the idea more pleasant because they know the importance of that water. They see the promise of what that water is going to do. They're going to use it to drink. They're going to use it to cook. They're going to use it to bathe. All of the important things that they use water for. So, so that enables them to say, well, you know, it's important. So we can, we can kind of park it up a little bit and carry it. And it changes their attitude. And I, you know, I want you to know that anytime you see water in the Bible, that you really need to pay attention. It's, it's important. Um, Jesus, really big point he made with water. It's this. Over in John 7, he says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And so we always read that as literally, you know, we can get our refreshment, we can get our water in Christ. And it's, it's water from him to us. But do you know that water flows out of you as well when Christ has touched your life? You can be the source of attitude for someone else that you meet. You can cause that great attitude change as well by, by knowing how and allowing Jesus to change your life. He's your source for your attitude and your source for others. Your third fill-in, if you had it, is commit to be present. Commit to be present. Look at this verse 18. It says, about the well that the princes dug, that the nobles of the people sank, the nobles with scepters and staves. Doesn't it seem a little odd that we're talking about princes digging wells? Anybody know who ordinarily teach, or digs wells? Yeah, in, in some cultures, it's the slaves. It would at least be the worker class. It would often be the army because they're using it. And I'm certain that the general isn't in there with a shovel digging a well. And yet, that's exactly what the scripture says. And even though princes are the least likely people to dig, what the scripture is getting at here is that leaders, people in positions of influence over other people do this. They dig wells. They dig wells so that future generations can, can have water, so that future generations can have provision, so that they leave something behind. I mentioned this, this well at Beer, and I think we, we might have a, a picture of it where they are. This well actually very one appears all the way back in Genesis. And they named this well, the well of the living one who sees me. The well of the living one who sees me. So what's happened is God has taken the Israelites past this well again on their trip now because he wants them to see that he's faithful to his people then He's going to be faithful to them now and that leaders then left something 
that their future generations could come back to, that would sustain them in a dry place, that would feed them the way God did in a dry place at that time. The living one who sees me. It's the God who sees you in the middle of the desert. And it says that the, the nobles have scepters. The nobles have staves. I think that scepter kind of represents kind of a God-given influence over people, a, a God-anointed leadership. And there's people in this room this morning who have that. There are people in this room this morning who have that. God has given you the authority to do some things in your life for the benefit of other people. It says that they have staves. There's a story in Exodus. The first time they needed water, Moses gets this right. God speaks to him. He says, take your staff, strike a rock, and there's going to be water come out. And the first time he does that, Moses gets it right. He he doesn't quite get it right the next time he does it. But that first time, and so that staff was kind of the, the power of God acting in the moment. It was how we know signs and wonders. It's how we know the kingdom breaking through represented by that staff to bring water for the people. And so some of you have a staff. You have the Holy Spirit within you. And that's the key to to leadership and moving forward and, and allowing God to do miraculous, supernatural things through you for provision in the moment for the kingdom to break through right here, right now, this morning, in this place. It happens. Just like Moses struck the rock for water, just like God leading them past this well, right now. When we commit to the promise of God with joy in our attitude and we show up, we commit to be present, God does wonderful things. In Isaiah 12, 3, it says this. It says, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. You know, everyone in here can probably point to what they were saved from or what they need to be saved from. But you were saved to something as well. You were saved into something as well. John Wimber used to say, everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play. That means there's no professional Holy Spirit, amateur Holy Spirit, junior Holy Spirit. Everyone in here is called to do something, to lead something, to pick up a scepter, to pick up a staff. And I would ask you this morning, as we go forward, as we enter into what I think is a growth period for this church, I really believe that, that we are right at the pinnacle of something about to happen in this church that is going to be really, really even bigger than anything God has done yet. That you have a part. Everyone in this room has a part. Nobody in here is too old, too young, too uneducated, too educated. Everyone in here has a part and everyone in here has something to give the generation that's going to follow us. Let's pray.
the living one who sees us. The living one who sees us. Lord, Lord, teach us. <laughs> teach us to get our water from you, Lord, from that stream of abundance that finds its source in Christ, Lord, that for each one of us, we are called to something here. If you feel this morning, I just want to do this. If you feel like God's moving you, God's taking you somewhere, God's getting ready to do a thing with you this morning, would you, would you stand this morning just to thank you? Thank you. God, I believe you have a plan for each and every one of us, that you have things you want to call out in us for future generations, for the present generation. Lord, you have ways and, and means to, to bring your kingdom to the grand strand, Lord, and you're looking at the people in this room to do it. And so, Lord, I just want to pray for these people who feel you right now and are trying to respond Lord, to your efforts to pull them forward, to call them out into something, Lord, to say you don't have to sit in the desert. Lord, I thank you for what you want to do here. I thank you for what you've done here in all of this time. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.